and welcome back to the Eurotrips Football Podcast. At time of recording, we are exactly two days away from the Champions League final taking place between Man City and Inter Milan. I'm your host, Andy, and as ever, I'm joined by our two regulars in Naeem and Ryan. How are you, boys? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Hay fever's playing up as always, but it's to be expected in the summer. But yeah, other than that, I'm all good, man. And yeah, course, not bad. And of course, Naeem, you'll be going to um, actually be in Manchester on a Saturday night for um, for Park Life. So you should be potentially in a city of, of celebration on Saturday night. Yeah, it'd be a city of blue. Um, but yeah, so obviously I, can't, I won't be watching the game, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I feel Man City will win it anyway. But yeah, um, it'd be good to just be in the city, I guess, because if they do win it, first time in their history, first time of treble, yeah, it'd be... Um, Everyone will be partying, all, all the Manchester fans will be partying uh, on Saturday. So, yeah, yeah it'll be a good experience if they do win it. Well, there's your spoiler fans for Nine's winner, which we are doing at the end of the episode. Um, but yeah, Ryan, for you, of course, you're not going to be in Manchester, but um, what are your plans for the final? Are you, uh, are you watching it on, on your own with friends, or how are you, how are you watching the game on, on Saturday? I, I normally watch it on my own because... I find other people around me for big games just distract me anyway. So, yeah, I do actually get that because I, I find sometimes I always do prefer watching it with myself because I think if you're with people that watch watch the game week in week out, it's not a problem. Like I watch it with my dad. I like doing it because he also he watches it same as me. But like when you have these big events like the Euros and the World Cup is a worse example of it. When you watch it with Amateur, amateurs, but like sort of casuals or people who haven't watched it before, it can be frustrating because sometimes they're asking you a million questions. You just want to watch the game. I mean, nothing compares most to watching Super Bowl with some people when they haven't watched the sport before, because you or even any game in the NFL, because you get a lot of questions just after it at you. And I imagine that might be me when I was watching the F1 with you, Ryan, the other week. But um, yeah, no, I know what you mean. Sometimes it's better just to have your own space and just listen to the commentary. Um, Myself, I think I'm watching it with my dad and my mum, I think. They'll be back from the holiday tomorrow, so they should be around on a Saturday night to watch it with. Uh, but it should be a good game. And, of course, the final is in Istanbul, which, of course, was home of the most famous Champions League final of recent memory, the 2005 game between Liverpool and AC Milan. And I think anyone who of a certain age will all know what that final happened, what happened in that game. Um, but, yeah, going into the game, of course, City... Went into the um the game. There's also the whole season as a Champions League favorite, one of the favorites to win it all, and it will be a rare time when the actual favorite goes on and wins the whole thing from the start of the year. But Inter Milan, no one thought they'd make it. Um, you know, previous Serie A winner a couple of years ago, but no one was ever expecting. Um, apart, I mean, apart from obviously our former friendship, former panelist on the show, uh, Euro expert Alex, he did actually predict this back in February, but. Most people, you know, certainly none of us thought they'd get to the final. I mean, they thought maybe a semi-final, maybe a quarter-final. But, yeah, I think they have been helped by the draw, uh, being on their favour with all the good things being in one side. But even so, you have to commemorate them for beating Napoli, for beating AC Milan um, and getting that far and getting to the final. So, in terms of that, obviously, we'll go to you first. Ryan, as you're, of course, you are the Serie A man in this, in this podcast. But for you... Do you think almost being the underdogs once again will help intermine the fact that that, that almost, almost lack of fear, the fact that they've got sort of nothing to lose, no one thinks they're going to win the game, and they've and they've a team that's already won the Champions League in the last in this century, so they have a little bit of um, know how how to win it. Do you think that will be in their favour come Saturday? 
Yeah, 100%. Because, as you say, people have mostly ripped them off. I think there's been a lot of disrespect thrown, not just the Inter, but even Fiorentina last night. I know they lost, but they were shown the same level of disrespect by a lot of the uh, British media, especially. And I think certainly Inter are being written off. I actually give them a very good chance tomorrow. Um, I'll explain that a little bit later. But Inzaghi is very much a cup final specialist. He's won all of his recent finals. He's only ever lost one, and that was at the start of his managerial reign with Lazio. Um, so I do, I, I give it a very good chance. And as you say, they are the underdogs. They go into it with that no fear mentality. And we know Manchester City, they've been in a, a final before against Chelsea. They were the favourites for that as well. I know Chelsea are, have more quality than Inter, but Chelsea would deem the underdogs. They won the game. Manchester City were poor on the night. Pep overthought his tactics. And he may very well do the same again in this game. He's done it this season already. We've seen how he's tinkered with his system, how he's played with no left-back at times. And that could be a dangerous thing to do against a team as well-structured as this inner team. I think you're right. And I think that will be certainly in the minds of the City players and Pepins, especially, you know, will he, you know, would he go into this game with the same mentality or will the fact that, you know, they learned from their loss to Madrid a year before in the previous round semi-final and they obviously got a massive win. So I think there's that's got to be in consideration because Pep has done this time after time in big games. He has tried to almost think about it too much. And I think that we mentioned I mentioned before that Inter Milan have won this tournament. City haven't yet, and these players have not won a Champions League. So I think that's gonna be pressure on them because not only are they winning trying to win their first Champions League ever. They are also trying to win the treble, which has been done once before in the last 50, 60, 70 years by Man U in 99. So, you know, it's, um, you know, I, I think that we saw the players on, on the FA Cup winning against Man U. Uh, we saw City players going one more. So I think it was in their mind. I don't think they went too crazy after the uh, final. I think Jack Lewis went to watch Coldplay. Um, so I think, I don't think, I think they know what's to come. I think they probably have learned from two years ago. But at the same time, until you want it, there's always that in your back in mind. And I think that Interman will certainly have to prey on that. And, um, you know, I obviously I can't claim to watch too many games involving Interman. I, I did the one commentary for AC Milan and Interman. I watched the two semifinals. Uh, well, half the league because it was 2 a.m. in Thailand for us. But it's, um, you know, I think that will be enough because no one thinks Interman, apart from a fair few, no one thinks they're going to they're gonna win this game. So I think they're going to go into the game. They're going to relish the, dog, the underdog mentality. And I think that this will be a, you know, a big test for them. Um, on the flip side, Man City, I just mentioned them, of course, they're looking to get a treble. You know, they are the favourites. Um, of course, me, me and I've got a bet on this. So... For you, Naeem, do you think that, do you agree with the fact that, do you think maybe they have learned from two years ago? Do you think that Pep is going to overthink at this time? Or are you thinking maybe he is going to, um, you know, he's gonna, he, could, he could do it again? Well, what's your thoughts on City's tactics or what you think they could do in this final? Um, well, obviously, judging from like last season, you know, when they played Real Madrid, you know, obviously they went out there and then this season they pretty much, well, pretty much, the home leg, they pretty much battered them. And I think he has learned from that. So, 
obviously this is his second Champions League final with them. He usually does get far with them. So I think I don't think he'll overthink it too much. I don't know, he might change the formation on um or something like that, but I think he has learned from it and they have well, they've been pretty much one of the best teams in Europe so far this season. Obviously, they are the favourites going into the game, so there is that obviously added pressure on them and then we'll see the pressure of them to try and win the treble. So I think I think it probably will be a tight game. I don't I can't see there being loads of goals, isn't it? There never really is in Champions League finals. So I think I think that might work in Inter's favour, um, to be fair. But I don't know, man. I think I I think I think, yeah, I'd say that he will probably have learnt from obviously past past um, experiences in the Champions League and the way City are going now at the moment, um you don't know really know who's gonna stop them really. You know, the final last week against United they didn't really need to play too well to win. Um United didn't really offer too much, but this is a Champions League final and you know, in the Milan they do have some experience in this tournament. I know obviously the last win was thirteen years ago, so no one in the squad um now obviously played in that final. But yeah, it's it's quite an even even match game to be fair. Um so yeah, it's it's yeah, it's gonna it probably it'll probably be a decent game, but yeah, we'll just have to wait and see to be fair. But yeah, I reckon he probably would have learned from it and yeah, he'd probably stick with the same group of players that have done so well this season. Yeah, I mean, looking at his most recent lineup in the Champions League, the 4 0 win at the Etihad, I mean, it was a back three, well, really a back four, um, with John Stone sort of playing that inverted right back role that we've seen Trent do as well. Um, you know, I think they'll, you know, usually think of being you know, a midfield forward, you know, of Grealish is asserting now a left midfield, you know, Bernardo Silva will be involved, Gundogan and De Bruyne, Rodri in the holding role, and obviously Harden up front. But looking into Milan's most recent side, they, they um, used the Coppa Italia final against Fiorentina, who, of course, we all saw last night. Congrats to West Ham, by the way. Um, they've also gone for a three-at-the-back formation with the likes of uh, Dumfries on the right wing-back, sort of DeMarco on the left wing-back, the Dami and the Serbian Pistoni is back three, and then Dzeko up front. Um, of course, that's an interesting thing in itself because of the whole ex matity link. I mean... Looking at they play very similar formations. Looking at looking at the um the two here. So, for you, Ryan, in terms of what is the key if Inter Milan are going to be City tactically, what's the key? What kind of players do you think will be will be vital if they're going to want to beat City in this game? Well, I think you have to look at the key players in Inter's team, the likes of Latarlo Martinez and Romayo Lukaku, the front two. We know that Inzaghi throughout his managerial career, has always liked to go with two strikers up front. And Martinez and Lukaku, they complement each other very well. And they've hit form at exactly the right time this season. I think they're both very dangerous at the moment up front, especially Martinez, who's been banging in goals towards the end of the season. And he's someone that can score from almost anywhere, inside or outside of the box. He's got fantastic shot on him. And... He could very well be the key man for in uh, attacking wise, but Hakan Chalanoglu has been in good form as well. He can make things happen. Got a good pass on him. Can also score from long range. I think Nicola Barella will be will be the man if Inter is to win the game, though ultimately because we know how massively influential he is to the way that they play. 
not just going forward, but defensively as well. And he makes things happen in this team. So I think they're the ones that they'll look to, but they've got quality all over the pitch, to be honest with you, even at the back, the likes of Bastoni and Stefan De Vries, uh, you know, they're both very solid defenders. And if the likes of Robin Gossens and Denzel Dumfries on in the both sort of hybrid uh, wing back role kind of things, if they can get forward and, you know, whip those balls in for the likes of Martinez and especially Lukaku, then they can hurt City 100% because, again, we don't know what kind of style or system Pep will implement in the final. So Inter will go with what they know and and just basically roll the dice from there and and, and do what they can. But, you know, they're, they're going to be solid at the back and they're going to try and hit the counter-attack and try and use set pieces, you would imagine, to try and hurt City at any potential opportunity. But again, I don't think, you know, the likes of Haaland will have an especially easy night, especially against three centre-backs. He could very well be limited in the middle of the pitch, so they could be more reliant on the likes of Grealish and Mares out wide to, to, to score goals throughout the game. But again, I don't expect it to be a high-scoring game. I think if Man City do win it, it may only be by the by the one goal, uh, maybe a late one as well. But I, I do expect Inter to put up a really good fight. And as I say, they've got the quality in the team. It's whether they can nullify City's attack and use their own. Yeah, I think for me, for me the midfield battle is crucial because you look at, I think City's obviously midfield is, you know, Gundogan, De Bruyne, Rodri. These are three really crucial parts to City's team. And I think that you look at Brozovic, Barello and Chalnoglu in that same area, I think these guys have to be sort of on it because, you know, if, if you allow the likes of De Bruyne and sort of Gundogan to get forward and, and do their thing, I think that there's not any team in the world that can stop that. So I think for me, that is the key as well. Um, I think these three are going to be Really, I think the probably most crucial parts of this game is probably that midfield and Barella, Brozovic and Chalnogu. If they if, if they are the ones that start in the final, I think they've got a, a big task. I think they certainly have the time to do it. And I think that could be key. But um, another area that could be key, nine is the substitutes to come on because Lukaku started the most recent Champions League game off the bench. You know, same in Coppa Italia. And he made a big difference in the Champions League semi-finals off the bench. And on the flip side, you know, as well as him, you've got the likes of, you know, Correa and Mkhitaryan and Villa for City. You know, you've got the likes of Riyad Mahrez, who is the most, I think, out of the three, the most, the most important one who has the most impact on games. You've got Phil Foes and the Julian Alvarez, which are the three most likely candidates to come off the bench if times get hard. So do you think that's also, for you know, a really crucial part in terms of, do you think that, that's going to be also key as well because this game could be level after an hour, could be level after extra, after normal time. And do you think that these players who come off the bench are going to have almost as much impact as those players who start? It's a bit of a tricky one. Um, like you said, if the game's leveled, then obviously the longer you leave it, the less less time they've got um, to make an impact off the bench. But yeah, obviously City got um, well, they got quite a few players that can come off the bench and. Um, make make an impact, you know. If if Haaland having a quiet night, which he might do, never know. If he gets marked out of the game, then I know all he all it takes for him is having like one or two shots, and he he can score a goal. But 
yeah, if, if they defend him well, then they, he's still got the option of bringing Alvarez on. You can play them two up front or maybe lost straight swap for Haaland. Morris has always Morris has always done good when he's come off the bench as well. So I reckon yeah, if the game if the game's pretty evenly matched by say the 60, 65th minute, then yeah, I reckon I reckon the substitutes can make a difference. But it just depends on on the tactics really, whether you know, whether they change change formation, whether they might might take a defender off or, you know, go a bit more defensive to because obviously as long as the game goes on, you um you probably will try and play for penalties, but obviously you want to do try and win it in ninety minutes. So yeah, with the substitutes both Inter and Man City have um to come off the bench, then yeah, I think they can make a difference. But I can see the game being tight anyway, so it, it might just be what they might not though. So yeah, it just it, it just depends really how the I game think, goes. I think it also depends as well on whether Kyle Walker and Manuel Akanji actually start the game because from what I've read, they're both at the moment doubts start, which would be massively influential on what kind of system Man City play because we know how good both have been this season anyway, especially Manuel Akanji, but Kyle Walker is very important in this Man City side. So if they are missing one or both of those, that could turn tide in my you know, favour of Inter, I believe. Yeah, I think Kyle Walker has proved to be very crucial. In terms of defensively, I think he was a big part of of their dominance against City, um, so defensively, and I think that you know Kanji's been for me one of the signs of the season in the Premier League. I think these are key because you know look at the, the Inter Milan team. You know, it's a team that you know I think certainly like the Martinez can really um, punish you if you if you sort of become lacking or, or if you lose concentration. I think that's a big thing. I think, uh, but I think you know if Walker's, I think even. 70% fit and starts, I think he will be fine. I think that he is that good and I think he's, he's that important to the team. But I think there are dangers there. And I think that, you know, you look at the likes of Ikanji, you know, these players will haven't really played in the final before, whereas the likes of Martinez has played in the World Cup final, for example. So I think that's the thing as well. I mean, form goes out the window in these finals. And I think that you'll see a lot of teams... A lot of players who've never played in the final before or played in this kind of stage of the tournament before, I think you can see, sadly, I think you can see a lot of games being rubbish for that reason. I think we, the Liverpool's first game um, was, you know, thankfully, not, in this case, it's not a game that's three weeks after the season ends. But I think you see a lot, a lot of finals in sort of Champions League, for example, where players do form nothing like they did in previous rounds because, because of that factor, because the, the nerves or the occasion gets them. So I think in that sense, I think Massively have the advantage in terms of, you know, most of these players have played in that final two years ago. You know, on the off the Greedish, Haaland, you know, Kanji didn't, but Rodri was there, Stones was there, De Bruyne, Gundo and Bernardo Silva were all there. So I think like we had in 2019, where you know we, we played in the final a year after losing it, I think the inspiration from that final, I think, will give City a big thing. But at the same time, you know, Inter Milan, you know, they're a team that you mentioned Port Inzaki's got a great final record and they're a team that, you know, is it, it's, it's pretty good defensively. So, you know, I think they you know, they've got the confidence as well. They've won a they've won a trophy recently. They won the Coppa Italia. So they they've got the the high confidence that they're, they're all happy with how they've 
finish the season ultimately. So I think we have to take that into consideration as well. I know Manchester City have got the same thing with the Premier League and the FA Cup. There's certainly more pressure on Man City to to win the game and to ultimately win a treble, which would be historic. But for Inter, you know, Inzaghi, he's he's still got big decisions to make in terms in terms of his lineup because he normally likes to go with Ed and Jekyll up front alongside Martinez, but with the form Lukaku's been in, it's a difficult decision. I think he'll probably start Jekyll alongside Lataro Martinez and will look to bring on Lukaku if if need be at some point in the game. Um, but it's the same thing in the, at the back as well because arguably their best defender, Milan Skriniar, he, he may start, he may not. It'll be his last game no matter what because he is going to PSG on a free transfer, which has sort of meant that his progression this season has been very staggered because he's he's been in the team, then he was out of the team. There was this sort of contractual stalemate between the two and in the end he made the decision in, in January to to join PSG on a free which obviously has not gone down well with the with the fans of Inter but it'll be a big decision again whether to whether to start him um or whether to go with a back three of Bastoni Divoli and Damian but again these are all big decisions that you have to make in, on, on a Champions League final and ultimately Inzaghi, you know, he's always got him right in a final, but they're coming up against a very different animal in Manchester City. So it's like I say, it's a very um it's a very tricky one to call, isn't it? Yeah, and that is a brilliant segue into our final segment of the episode, which is gonna be our prediction. So we're all gonna give our score prediction as well as the winner, um, and how you think the game will go. So Naeem, over to you first. Who's gonna win and what to score? I'm going to go with Man City in 90 minutes. I'm going to go to the same scoreline as yesterday, 2-1. Oh, OK, OK. Uh, Ryan, over to you for your winner. Nil-nil uh, within 90 minutes. Nil-nil within extra time into Milan on penalties. Oh, I like that. That would be... Uh, I mean, I feel like everyone I've watched recently game-wise has got to a final. I think three of the playoffs in, the, in England got to extra time and Zoom went to penalties. You know, West Ham went to the final minute. Europa League went to penalties as well. So I feel like every game I'm watching recently is going down to the wire. Um, I don't think it'll be... I think it'll be normal time. And I think it'll be City by four goals to two. I think it's going to be a quick against what we think. You know, I think we've seen... Um, I think what we'll see... I think we'll see a very tight game for a lot. But what we see with City, a lot of big games. They can score goals like that really quickly. Think of last season in the final day of the league season or you think of what they had against them against Madrid so I think I can see it being maybe 2-2 for maybe 70 minutes and then maybe City score two goals late on to win it that's my guess but I'm hoping that you know, Inter Milan do win um, now before we do go there was also an announcement yesterday or well, not yesterday was it on Monday from um, a great of the game in Zlatan Ibrahimovic who announced his retirement at age 41 for me, he'll go down as one of the greats, and I want to get your boys' thoughts on really where you'd rank Zlatan amongst the greats of his position. Um, Naeem, well, so for Zlatan, he's obviously, obviously never played in a in a World Cup, I believe, or did play either the Euros or the World Cup. You know, unfortunate in a way for, for playing for a poor 
national team, but you know, club wise didn't win the Champions League, but he won, I believe it was over thirty, over forty domestic uh, trophies, and I think he, you know, he's won those AC Milan, Inter Milan, Barcelona, Juventus, Manchester United. You know, he's played for a lot of big clubs, and he's really much performed everywhere he's been. What would your sort of memory be about Zlatan, and your sort of, and your overall feeling about where he ranks in amongst the the greats of the game? Bit like obviously of this generation because obviously he's been around since like the early early two thousands. So striker wise, from that like time frame, I'd easily say your top ten. Um, like the the sort of goals that he scores that's that's unreal, man. Like I always remember that goal he scored against um England. I think it was in a friendly. I think it was when he bicycle kicked from outside the box. But yeah, he obviously he didn't win the Champions League, but everywhere he went. He just he pretty much just ripped it up everywhere he went. You know, like I said, the goals he scored were just you can make like highlight real. That's of the one of his best goals. Like some people in their careers don't score goals like that, and yeah, he just made it look easy. And to go, I think it was forty, easy forty one. Um, you know, obviously he had to go old. He got his injuries, but yeah, he's he'll yeah, easily go down as one of one of the uh, great strikers of this generation. And yeah, happy retirement really. Um. To last that long in football as a striker, you know, you don't really see that very often. Yeah. No players are are lasting a bit longer, but yeah, and when when you think of Ibrahimovic, you just you know his personality, you know, is that that arrogance, but he can back it up with the, his ability on the pitch as well. So yeah, he I would say easily probably say top ten. I'll probably say um from that era um of strikers, but um yeah, fair play to him. Obviously he he won won a Scudetto with uh, Milan. Last season, his last trophy. This season, he was played with injuries, but he was still on a pretty much at every game. You know, cheering the team on. So, yeah, I reckon he'll go down. He's top ten from that time period for me easily. Yeah, I mean, looking at his his list of honors, he's won with Ajax, the Eredivisie twice, as well as the cup once. He won. Um, well, ten. He won two. Um, as well as Juve, but they got revoked due to the match fixing scandal. What three Serie A's with Inter Milan, two Supercoppa Italias. He won the Club World Cup, Super Cup, La Liga, and Supercoppa Espana with uh, Barcelona. Uh, won two Serie A's with AC Milan, as well as another Supercoppa Italia. Four leagues with uh, PSG, a couple of French Cups. Um, Man U won Europa League, uh, League Cup, and Community Shield. And then individual honours, he had... Um, one, two, three, four. Uh, yeah. Nominations for Ballon d'Or in 2003, 2004, 2005, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2012, 2013, 14, 15, and 16. Was fourth place in 2013. The Golden Foot in 2012. Uh, won the Puskas Award in 2013 for that aforementioned goal against England. Was in the World Eleven in 2013. Four times in the UEFA Team of the Year. Uh, one time in the Champions League squad of the season. Um, and they're just many, many more multiple player the month for different leagues. Um, and yeah, one thing I wanted, that I love about Zatan was that Naeem alluded to it the fact that he would always perform, you know, he'd always perform, he'd always give it all that. And some players they give it all this talk, whether that's professional players or whether that's kids in your school, and they don't back it up. But this guy, everywhere he, he told you he's the greatest, and he. You know, yeah, he had that year in Barcelona where you know he didn't thought he fell out with Pep, but everywhere he's been, the fans have loved him. He's always performed and he's always just de- delivered what he said he would. So for me, Zlatan, I'd have him in top ten strikers. So the out and out strikers, I think he's definitely in top ten. And I think he, you know, everyone forgets his goal years ago for Ajax, where he saw of ran about the whole team and messed around and scored 
what a hell of a goal. So for me, Zlatan, um, yeah, I've got to salute him because he is one of the greatest and certainly, I think, the best ever Swedish player. Uh, Ryan, your take on um, on Zlatan before we do end, end the podcast? Well, it's interesting because the amount of tweets I saw when he announced his retirement earlier in the week from those on social media calling him overrated was absolutely incredible. And I think to myself, these people never watched him in his prime and his prime wasn't that long ago. Let's be realistic, but it's um, quite sensational. The career he's had, I think in particular, his time at PSG will be remembered for when he was at his absolute peak. He was an absolute monster for them. You know, he was, he's just always there, always scoring in big games. And as you say, always scored fantastic goals. He could do everything, you know, whether it was, you know, a, a great header, you know, left foot, right foot, you know, finishing in the box, outside of the area strikes. He just had it all. And to be able to play at that such a level until your 40s just shows that he's, you know, a sensational athlete as well. And I know he's, he's a bit like, you know, mustard, you like him or you hate him. He's got that arrogance about you, but I think you need that to to perform at such a high level, similar to how Cristiano Ronaldo has been throughout his career as well. So for me, yeah, I, I would go a bit further and say he's probably in my top five strikers of the last 10 to 15 years. He's been that good considering what he did as well for even for Manchester United and such a poor team at such a strange time in their, in their recent history as well was was sensational, but I also want to pay a tribute to two other players that announced their retirements this week as well in uh, Fabio Colliarella, um of Sampdoria, had a had an unbelievable career in Italy, scored in every single season for the last 18 seasons, which is just sensational, just shows the longevity of his career. Will go down as a very underrated striker in my opinion, but one of the best YouTube showreels you will see for a striker, you look at his, some of his goals and they are incredible. Um, so, yeah, shout out to him as well as Joaquin Ferreira Betis, another player that's played up until his 40s. Had a had a wonderful career in Spain. Obviously, had a little bit of a spell with Fiorentina as well. But for Ferreira Betis, he'll go down as a club legend. Um, again, another underrated player who, um, who, has a, who has great stats as well to his name and two players that will be fondly remembered I think for a lot of people in a lot of clubs as well so yeah it's a sad day sad week really to lose so many great players but it has to happen to everyone yeah and obviously I I think if you haven't seen it yet go check out the send-off he got from Napoli fans quite better um quite stunning um looking at Zlatan stats going back to him quickly uh 827 total career games 496 total goals um quite the tally. Uh, his most came at PSG, 156 goals in 180 games with 61 assists. And he has also given his best team of players he's played with. So, yeah, Buffon in goal. Back four was Lilian Turan, Thiago Silva, Alessandro Nesta and Maxwell, who was, I believe, his um, his best friend in football. Um, midfield three was Xavi, Neved and Patrick Vieira with... Um, Messi, Ronaldinho and himself. And amazingly, he's... Um, also got it's like he put the picture up of like a actual from from like a notepad etc. So he's 
always loads handwriting. And I find it funny, he's got Julio Cesar, Iniesta, Cannavaro, Gattuso, and Sadov on his bench. But you can see on the picture, I think you can find on Twitter somewhere, uh, where he scribbled out the hair. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> he has think... um, brutally picked him out there. A little, a little side note as well to, to a video that's actually soon coming to our YouTube channel, a little documentary I'm currently working on, on Adriano. And it's interesting as well that Ibrahimovic um, once said that he was the most talented player he's ever trained with. So that's a very interesting thing um, for some, for someone like him to say, considering the players that he's played with. And he said it quite in recent years as well. So, you know, over the likes of Messi, which is, which is incredible, really. But yeah, just a little side note. You know, that, that's interesting because, yeah, as you say, players that I just mentioned just then alone, players he's just mentioned that um, he's put his best team, you know, Messi, Iniesta, Xavi, you know, Nedved, all, all these players he's played with and he's chosen Adjara. And I think that, obviously, your documentary will go into a lot, but I think that is, for me, one of the biggest weighted potentials. Certainly, that isn't because of the injuries. You look at Abu Dhabi and people that is all because of injuries, but for him, you can't even put it on that. Uh, I mean, injuries probably caused by his off the field stuff, but it's it's a shame. It's a shame because he was certainly before all, basically, sadly, before what happened with his personal life, he was an absolute beast. And yeah, I certainly think that he, um, I think actually, I've actually read Stefan's book and I believe he mentions that as well. So it's, um, it's a shame, and it's, uh, but yeah. Yeah, big up to Zlatan and to Quagli Rella and to uh, Joaquin, who who have ended careers on great longevity careers as well. Um, so yeah, certainly ones to remember. But yeah, that is the end of the episode. Uh, our Champions League final preview. Uh, we will be back next week to do our worst teams of the season. Of course, we did our best team of the seasons episode last week. So if you haven't checked that out yet, uh, do give it a check out because. Um, it's a good episode. We have got polls on Twitter, which lasts until Friday evening, which you can vote for your combined listeners. Team of the season. It has been the Euro Trips podcast. I've been host Andy. This has been Ryan and Naive. And we'll see you guys. <laughs>